round one. Fight. <gasps> After the terror wars, governments fell. The corporations took control, fighting over what remained. Eight companies survived and divided up the world. The American territories fell to the mightiest corporation of all, Tekken. Welcome to Now Playing Podcast Tekken Retrospective Series. Tekken is peace. Tekken is fear. Part of Now Playing's video game movie review series. We've all been playing. Hosted by Arnie. So you're the people's choice. You don't look like much. Justin. Our viewers love him. He represents a street. And Stuart. He's egotistical and way overconfident. He's damn good. Yeah, he is. This podcast may contain detailed plot spoilers and harsh language. Jokers. Not mine. Listener discretion is advised. Let the games begin. Today, we're discussing Tekken, starring to John Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly Overton. Carrie Hiroyuki Tagawa, Ian Anthony Dale, Kong Lee, not Chung Lee. <laughs> Wouldn't that be an exciting crossover? <laughs> I did a double take when I saw that name come across the screen. Directed by Dwight Little. Oh, he's big time. He did Halloween 4, Free Willy 2, Anaconda 2, some Seagal movies. Robert England, Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, I mean, I've seen him theatrically twice. <laughs> this is Arnie, the people's choice. And for the rest of this podcast, when saying my name, you both must say, Arnie, the people's choice. Uh, I got a little problem with that. This is Stuart. <laughs> and this is Justin. And there is no honor in this. <laughs> no, there is not. Our video game retrospective continues with the world's biggest video game that I'd only heard of in passing. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was Robotech. I was like, oh, yeah, that's the Japanese animated robot mech thing. No, I didn't know what it was until about three days ago and Arnie sat me down and we decided to break out several of the games and go to town. And it was a fighting game. I didn't think I liked fighting games. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I think this one might be my favorite. You can play a panda and beat someone's ass as a panda. <laughs> wow, I never thought this would fall to me, but I guess that makes me the fan of this series because I actually played it back in the day, so... All right. I'm the Tekken guy, apparently. Which ones did you play? It was back in college days, so like the first two is about as far as I made it. And I think five years ago, they kind of updated again, and I might have dipped in there, but I'm not super steeped in Tekken lore, but watching this movie and getting back in this retrospective, a few things ratcheted around my brain and knocked a few memories loose, so I played Tekken in college is what it comes down to. I realized why I didn't know Tekken is this is the period when I was PC gaming only. I'd gotten away from consoles. I never really familiarized myself with the Nintendo 64 era of games. Like, that entire thing is a blank for me. 
I did have a PlayStation, but I didn't get it until 2000. And that was right before the PS2 came out. And so I was busy playing Wing Commander and playing all the Need for Speeds and Warcraft and all these other games over on my PC. Meanwhile, the cool kids with the PlayStation were playing Tekken, which holds world records for being some of the best-selling games. It is absolutely crazy how popular this is. Tekken 3 is the second best-selling fighting game of all time. Can you guys guess what the number one is? I could not. No, Mike Tyson? Nope. Super Smash Brothers Brawl. Oh, wow, yeah, that's kind of a current favorite of the kids. I can see that. Not Mortal Kombat, not Street Fighter, not DOA. Yeah, that one's just a mashup of all the Nintendo characters that you can fight. But I guess it surprises me a little bit that this franchise as a game has legs because I can see where the popularity or the excitement originally came from because this was on the heels of Street Fighter, which, you know, was kind of the original and the Mortal Kombat one up that with its more realistic looking fighters and the gore. And then Virtual Fighter came out. And that was a new 3D way to fight, but it was kind of boring with the character choice and kind of a boring name. But Tekken comes along and gives you really fleshed out characters, if not ripoffs of Street Fighter characters. It gave you something to bite onto there. But geez, to hear that it by three, it's the best selling game ever. That's kind of crazy. Best-selling fighting game. I mean, sure. I'm sure like World of Warcraft or something is right. that had just a crazy amount of appeal. But what I think really hit the popularity is when I did a research, you know, being a person who studied game programming, I found this really interesting. It was programmed for a PlayStation arcade board. It was made in 94 as an arcade, but because they used Sony's board, they were able to port it almost flawlessly onto the PlayStation 1. So, you know, all the times we've tried to have that arcade experience at home and Donkey Kong on the Atari 2600. And yeah, so much disappointment when you bring it home and find out it's nothing like the coin-op. But, okay, so this one was easily replicated, and I think it's a more exciting fighting game because, yeah, it had 3D rendering. Like, suddenly the world, the arena, has depth to it. I mean, yeah, it's crude Tomb Raider-style depth in that first game. But, yeah, I can see why this would be considered next level. It is... Of the three that I played, Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, Tekken, the one that I would go back to above all others. And as Justin said, Virtua Fighter did do the 3D stuff first. I don't know what that is. Exactly. They never made a movie about it because like Justin said, boring <laughs> characters. But this does have the Guinness World Record for first fighting game to feature simulated 3D. So it did take the 3D further than Virtua Fighter and also Tekken 3 is the fourth best-selling PlayStation game of all time, beaten by Final Fantasy VII and two of the Gran Turismos, which makes me think we're going to be getting a Gran Turismo movie sooner rather than later. <laughs> Maybe, but you know, we played a sample selection. We did go back to that first arcade, and that was kind of crude. It was it was all right, but I was like, eh, it's not so special. It was three where I was really like, wow, these are fun characters. I mean, anytime you're going to put a lion on 
the head of a guy in a suit and tie. Like, I turned on him. I'm like, if that guy's in the movie, it's a green arrow. I don't care how bad the rest of it is. I said the same thing. I fought one time as a polar bear, mm-hmm. and Stuart's making all these Coca-Cola jokes as he's kicking my ass. And I said, polar bear, green arrow, for sure. But And then we went, uh, like, down a side road. There was a weird Game Boy 1999 effort called Tekken Card Challenge. Well, you were collecting cards. You'd walk around a map, and it was like a dungeon crawl collecting cards. The more cards you have, the better the strength of them. And then, yeah, it's like cycling through kind of like at the end of a level of Super Mario when you're trying to match up like the mushroom three parts and things you're trying to tap just at the right time. And yeah, you're trying to tap on the stronger cards. We didn't play it much because it was a Game Boy game. I was playing it on my Raspberry Pi. A Game Boy does not look that great when blown up to 60 inches. And then also it said I lost. I timed out. I didn't even know what the time was. So I'm like, let's get back to some fighting. Yeah, it's not a fighting game. I mean, that's, yeah, card collecting. I mean, got to catch them all. We'll find out about Pokemon probably next year when we cover that series. But I wasn't intrigued by that at all. But I was brought back when you pulled out the latest version, I believe. Tekken 7 came out last year maybe it came out in 15 for arcade and then 17 for playstation xbox one and things and this really pulled me in because it's a strange evolution i know that we talked about with mortal kombat and to a degree with street fighter how in the first ones each of the characters had their own story and you had to beat all the enemies to find that story out and everything well by the time you get to part seven I felt like I was playing that Final Fantasy game that I was playing back when we reviewed that movie because it is not a fighting game as I know it. It's almost an interactive movie where you watch all these characters go about telling you all this mythology narrated by some monotone reporter (laughs) telling about his dead (laughs) wife and kid. This has become soap operatic. This entire saga really boils down to a paternal battle of the Mishima family. And we're going to be talking about them a little bit with this movie. They're not the main characters of this movie so much as Jin, but I'm going to try to give you the 10,000-foot view because when I really delved into it, I watched playthroughs on YouTube, I read wikis, I glanced at comic books, I found out there were novelizations. Tekken is its own universe of stories that one could live in. First of all, What is Tekken? I mean, in various things, I've read it's a country, a tournament, a company. Like, is it Station from Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey? I don't know what Tekken is. I finally looked it up because it wasn't anything in the first one. Tekken is Japanese for Iron Fist. And this is the Iron Fist tournament every time they're fighting. Probably they kept the name Tekken because Marvel would have sued their ass really quick if they'd called their game Iron Fist. (laughs) But the story begins that Hiachi Mishima decides either one of two things. Either he wants his son to be stronger or, depending on which game you're playing, he's afraid that his son will be a competitor for him in business. So he throws his son off a cliff. (laughs) Yeah. We saw that in 7. They recapped that and I'm like... Wow, that's harsh. We thought he was trying to kill him. And then when I see this anime from 1998, I realize he's actually trying to better him. He wants to toughen the boy up. So step one, throw you off a cliff and see if you survive. What happens is he survives the fall, but he got a cut on his chest, which allowed a demonic entity within him called the devil gene to activate. And so he became part demon and it was feeding a thirst for revenge 
So he climbed back up that mountainside and went and fought his father, who over the years had traveled around the world competing in martial arts championships. His father was the undisputed champion, and now his son is back, and in the first one, they have the tournament, and they meet in the finals. Kazuya wins, beating Hayachi, and back in that Tekken 1 game, when it's over, if you win, your character, if you're playing Kazuya picks up Hiachi and throws him off the cliff. It's yeah. like, take that. <laughs> Poetic justice, sure. <laughs> but then in Tekken 2, Kazuya is the head of the Mishima Zabatsu Corporation that his father ran, and he's now turned it into this illegal company. He uses assassins to take out his rivals. But his father climbed up the cliff, trained for two years, and so trying to rid himself of all his enemies, Kazuya announces the second tournament, the winner will get a trillion dollars. And he knows that will bring his father to the tournament. <laughs> You're telling me if I really need to get in shape, I should just be thrown off a cliff. It's yes. really like the best workout plan. Forget Taibo. All I picture, because this is very rarely dramatized, is Sylvester Stallone climbing up a cliff bloodied and then a montage. Okay. Yeah, it's a weird <laughs> idea. I don't quite get it. But during all of this, an animal rights activist named June tries to arrest Kazaya for heinous animal experimentation, but her attraction to him overcomes her animal love, mm. and she gets pregnant with his child. Okay, <laughs> we're going to see shades of that storyline in the live-action movie we're here to talk about tonight. But... In the combat, Kazuna turns into the devil creature. This time, Hiachi wins. This is all Tekken 2. Mm. And now Hiachi takes his son's body. He's like, the cliff didn't work. Drops him in a volcano. <laughs> Survive that. He does. Yeah. In Tekken 3. <laughs> Tekken 3 focuses around Kazuya's son, Jin, and how, oh, this gets really anime-level weird, and I'm not too much down with anime spirit stories so i'm just gonna really gloss over the fact that a mexican ogre comes up and starts killing fighters around the globe yeah i'm good i don't even need to hear me i was out with mexican ogre i might have been out with volcano frankly but the ogre kills Jin's mother and so Jin goes to his father and is like i want revenge on the ogre and so the tournament occurs and Jin beats the ogre, and then Hiachi has his grandson gunned down because his grandson defeated the ogre, which Hiachi wanted, but he didn't want a competitor for the company, so he shoots his grandson in the head. <laughs> These family reunions must be a real bitch. <laughs> That's Tekken 4, when Hiachi finds out both Kazuya and Jin are both alive and out there somewhere, and apparently the only way to find your enemies is to hold a tournament. Yeah. So he holds a tournament again, and this time the winner owns the company, and at this point, I'm just going to stop telling you, but you get it. It's like each time, there's not really a good guy here because both Jin and Kazuya are turning into demons and giving into hate. And so it makes it seem like Hiachi is the good guy, except he's killing his children right and left. So he And he's got pointy hair that's really to die for. Yeah, all the oh, hairstyles yeah. are terrific in this. <laughs> but I do remember in some of the later games, you can play Jin as a demon. Yeah, yes. You can play him as a regular guy and as a demon at some point. 
Yeah, so that was kind of fun. It was interesting to see this. And of course, every character has their own little stories. And each game introduces at least four new fighters and sometimes many more. They all have their little cutscenes and whatnot. But yeah, it really is focusing mostly on a mythology that has spanned now, God, 25 years yeah, that doesn't surprise me. In fact, that seems like the way to keep repeat customers. You gotta hook them with a convoluted family saga that keeps begging more questions because, you know, that's probably what fans really like, right? It's not just the fighting that keeps them there. It's knowing all of the backstories of all of these characters. I'm torn on that. I mean, Justin, when you played, did you care about the backstories? I know Stuart and I are both, it was very lucky we were playing together with part seven because it was us both very interested in the cutscenes. If Marjorie was playing, she'd be like, skip this 15, 20 minute cutscene. I want to beat somebody up. Hey, and put me in that same boat. I'm even kind of glossing over everything you're talking about now. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I've said before, I'm not a cutscene guy and especially not in my fighting games. The whole idea of a fighting game is pick the guy that looks cool and you like their moves and let's go kick some ass against the other guy. You know, and I think it's cool that they put some time and effort to put some backstories in, but I don't need graphic novels. I don't need animated movies to flesh these characters out more to enjoy a good fighting game. Which is partly why we didn't do the 1998 anime movie. It's debatable about whether we should have included it or not. We shouldn't have. It was direct to internet streaming, mm -hmm. much like the Street Fighter ones we skipped. It was a two-parter that runs 58 minutes, so it does not hit the length of a feature. It was eventually sold on Blu-ray, because why watch for free online what you can pay for? <laughs> so there's no way it counts. And wow, I couldn't finish it. I could not finish it. I'm sorry, but the animation was really crude. I mean, I've seen Princess Mononoke and think that's a beautiful film, so it's not that I have a problem with anime style. I have a problem with bad anime style. This was reminding me of the second season of the Guyver anime cartoon, which was terrible looking. For about 10 minutes, I actually thought, I've seen this movie before. It's almost identical to that Street Fighter 2 animated movie that came out just a few years before like the scenes they go to a hotel i think this is the same movie <laughs> and then like it ends up getting more into the genetic mutation plot and you find out about the company and what they're doing i would say it was helpful to kind of understand the mythology more as someone that really didn't understand it playing the game but you get what you get by the time I got around to watching it, I already knew the mythology to the point that I was able to give you the days of our lives, 5,000 foot view, and I'm sorry, but anything, I don't care if it's live action, television, a school play, when there's a line like, why are you so upset? Is it because your father threw you off that cliff? I'm out. I'm just done. <laughs> I, see, I love that. I think that's fun. I mean, that's that's good camp here. Here's what I would say. I wish that the movie we're here to talk about tonight included more of the elements that was in that anime. I do think that if you're making a Tekken movie, you should probably pattern it more on what fans of the game know to be the storyline. But that is the Mishima family, and this movie is very much focused on 
the Tekken 3 story. Being that Tekken 3 is the best selling of the Tekken games, it seems to me to make sense that they took the story where it did. Am I disappointed that there's not a fighting panda and polar bear <laughs> and some predator-looking creature that can go invisible and everything? Yes, I am. And I'm actually shocked they spent $30 million making this Tekken film. Wow. I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> Where did it go? Obviously, somebody offshore moved that money to their private account and then said, here's $3 million. Do something on, on screen in Louisiana. It did get theatrical release overseas, and the reception was such that they decided not to do that here. Yeah, that's the thing. That's probably why I never knew there was a movie of Tekken. It was something we discovered when we were putting the arcade together. We were like, whoa, what is this? And do we need to cover it if it was made for television and never was released in America? It came to a film festival here, but it did not ever play theatrically because, yeah, when you can't play in Japan... You're not going to play anywhere else. One thing that I'm hearing a lot of, which is strange now hearing the backstory of this movie, the lore of this game centers around this family. And to play in an American audience, you know, we've seen these other films like Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter where they try to Americanize it by throwing a hero at us that we as good old USA patriots can attach ourselves to. And there's really none of that in this movie. Not for lack of trying, though. They did want a white guy for the lead, and he turned him down. Oh, well, see, that's how you end up straight to video, I guess. <laughs> and <laughs> I think what they have from that very first game that's been carrying through is Kazuya Mishima, because he so wants to be Bruce Lee. I mean, when we were playing the game, we didn't know who was going to be in the movie. We didn't know who was important yet, because we started with Tekken 1. We're both like... Yeah, that guy's Bruce Lee. He moves fast like Bruce Lee. He kicks like Bruce Lee. So if you're not going to, and I don't think you always should, have a white male protagonist, having Bruce Lee is a really good second alternative. Well, it's funny you say that because they actually had a direct Bruce Lee ripoff character by the time 3 came around, a guy named Law. I mean, he looked just like Bruce Lee. Martial Law? Yeah. Yeah. To the point that I was a little bit confused, but I definitely think all of the games that we've discussed, Street Fighter perhaps being the least. Street Fighter did not have your Asian Kung Fu guy, but Mortal Kombat with Liu Kang here with a couple different guys. Yeah. One of whom is Martial Law and this one with Kazuya. There's just always, I mean, he's the best martial arts star of all time. So of course, bring him in. But they didn't get the best martial artist of all time to be in this movie. And I think that it does suffer a lot from a lack of star appeal. I knew almost no one from this cast. Hihachi, the father, I, I recognized him the most out of all of them. He's always popping up in Mortal Kombat, Last Emperor, Big Trouble in Little China. But for the most part, yeah, they have cheapened out. They have neither gotten known martial arts quantities or American stars that are going to play big here. Yeah, this main guy, I did not watch the Rush Hour television series. I saw one episode. <laughs> but did you like the Rush Hour movies? Because I love the Rush Hour movies so i might be a little more forgiving of a rush hour tv series but he plays the jackie chan character in that yeah john Fu can definitely do the stunts we'll see him display that in this movie he's gonna do some parkour he's gonna run up some walls I'm not sure he's a fighter 
And then Kelly Overton, I knew her because I watched True Blood. And when I looked her up, I've seen her in other stuff that was less memorable than her year on True Blood. Here's the thing is, despite being so rooted in Japanese culture, this movie was filmed in Louisiana. Yeah. So it was really weird to watch the single behind the scenes feature, which was all about the stunts, and get to hear John Fu speak. He's British. And so many of these people are either American or French. Right. They were shooting to open here. This is not a foreign film that just didn't get American play. It was made in America, largely by Americans. English language was the thought process. They just screwed up so bad that it just could not be released in American theaters. When it finally came here, it was on DVD, Blu-ray in 2012. They did have a couple of people behind the scenes of note. The stunt coordinator was Chuck Norris's son, Eric. (laughs) (laughs) Great. And the stunt designer was one of the original creators of parkour. So when you see parkour, one of the guys who actually started the movement was choreographing the fights and working on a lot of the stunts whoever these people are they failed this was intended to be the blockbuster that jean-claude street fighter was don't you mean the blockbuster street fighter was going to be yes i think it was the blockbuster that street fighter was no it wasn't because it didn't even get its theatrical release street fighter is laughing at this movie This movie is better than Street Fighter. I'm not going to give a hint of my arrows, but when we come down to ranking video game movies, so much better than Street Fighter. That wasn't my expectation coming to this. That's my point. And when I came to this, I was expecting The Pit. So it's got that going for it. The low expectations perspective means it can only look better. So Arnie, why don't we get into this? Given the plot, we'll find out what there is to enjoy in Tekken. In the near future, war has broken out on Earth, and from the ashes rose not governments, but eight corporations that rule the world. Wait, is this supposed to be fiction? This is feeling real. What do we got? Facebook, Apple, Microsoft? (laughs) Almost. (laughs) Procter & Gamble. Yeah. PepsiCo, (laughs) Disney. Only need two more. It's not going to be Tekken. (laughs) (laughs) Could be EA, though. (laughs) Sony. Maybe Sony. The largest company is named Tekken and rules North America. To quell the teeming masses who live in slums, Tekken's CEO, Hiachi Mishima, played by Kari Hiroyuki Tagawa, holds a tournament where eight fighters, one from each corporation, come to fight and the winner gets a lifetime of fame and fortune. Our story focuses really on none of that, but on Jin Kazama, played by John Fu, a young man living in the slums with his mother June, played by Tamlin Tomita. Jin makes money stealing Tekken tech and selling it to resistance members. But one time, Tekken soldiers discover Jin's theft and kill the resistance members, Jin's mom, and presumably Jin himself. But Jin was out with his girlfriend, and so Jin survives the attack. Wanting revenge on the Tekken Corporation, Jin defies his mother's last wishes and enters the Iron Fist Tournament. He goes to an open fight, beats the champion fighter, named Martial Law, and is in the tournament. And once in the tournament, he becomes romantically involved with another fighter, Christy Montero, played by Kelly Overton. But Jin really isn't interested in the tournament. He wants to meet the head of the Tekken Corporation and kill him. And Jin isn't the only one with plans for Hiachi Mishima. Hiachi's son Kazuya, played by Ian Anthony Dale, 
is tired of waiting for the old man to die. He wants to run the company and seemingly kills his father in a coup to take over Tekken. And Kazuya also wants Jin dead because <gasps> Jin is Kazuya's bastard son and a competitor for his right to the Tekken Corporation. Kazuya sends assassins after Jin and rigs the tournaments against him, but Jin wins the Tekken tournament. Kazuya attacks himself and is about to kill Jin, but Christy helps him get the upper hand, and when the chips are down, Jin decides to have compassion and leave his revenge behind. He allows Kazuya to live. And having defeated Kazuya, Jin is the rightful chairman of Tekken, but he says he doesn't want the job, as credits roll to an after-credits scene. Did you guys hang out for it? Oh god, no. There was? <laughs> yeah, I mean, barely. It's, it's a tease. Guess what? Hiachi is still alive. Dun-dun-dun. Something for the sequel. All right. And in nowhere in that plot summary did you describe a man with a lion head and in a suit and tie. <laughs> Sadly, that was not there. But we did get Yoshimitsu, who was the predator-looking dude in one of the games who could turn invisible and at one point, I think, became one of the aliens from Prometheus. I mean, <laughs> not in the movie, of course. They couldn't afford that, but in the games. That's one thing that I picked up very quickly on in this movie is there's quite a few characters from the game that they could have used to brighten this movie up and give it a little bit more personality that they just left out. You know, Yoshimitsu, like you said, is probably the most interesting thing from the game that they brought into this movie. Him being, we're not quite sure if he's human or cyborg or robot, but in the game, he is cool. He's got special powers, he's a samurai, and he has some special moves, but we didn't see a whole heck of a lot of him in this movie. I am going to defend their decision here. Yes. Would I like this absolutely crazy panda polar tiger head fight game movie i would not as the anime i saw but i would like somebody to put that together that said with a budget of 30 million i think they made the right choice to ground this especially since they are focusing on the main thrust of all the games all of this other colorful characters would detract from the main story here of the mishima family here i think i'd rather not have them do it then do it really poorly, a la Goro from Mortal Kombat. Imagine that with eight of them around. Goro did not work out all that well. It was cute, but in 2010, I have much higher demands than I had in mid-90s. Sure. I guess what I'm getting at is I think maybe they missed a little bit of an opportunity because one of the vehicles they set up here in this movie is the exposition of showing us how this tournament works via TV screens that are in bars or on the street or on billboards. And they're kind of giving us the history of this tournament with graphic overlays and stuff. They could have thrown some of those characters in there, you know, like a previously this champion defeated so-and-so. Just a little bit of fan service in there, I think, was a bit of a missed opportunity. But overall, you're right. They don't need a Goro with crappy step motion graphics here. Jen, he is a character you can play. I guess it is true to this lore. If you know the lore about how he is this bastard son of this Tekken family, then you'll want to see that be the focus. Yeah, again, going to Tekken 3, going to the most popular one. And really, I'll give them some more credit. They didn't overcomplicate things like Street Fighter did. 
where Street Fighter was like, okay, we're going to have U.S. armed forces invading a country that Raul Julia is the governor of. Yes, they have a fantastical opening, and it is a hell of a data dump at the beginning where they talk about the nations falling and the corporations taking over and all of that. As if that's science fiction. I mean, this is really far behind. <laughs> that I mean, this is every sci-fi movie, right? Corporations are going to take over, and it looks like a couple of Samsonite pieces of luggage in the streets. I was thinking Judge Dredd, not Dredd, the good one. I was thinking Sylvester Stallone's Judge Dredd, but I was also thinking RoboCop with OCP and the privatization of the police force. Yeah, I've seen this a lot of times, so I can jump right in. I mean, there are also much worse movies like... Double Dragon. <laughs> yeah, that one. I was thinking of Nicole Eggert and Heather Langenkamp's The Demolitionist. I mean, there's a lot of these. Yeah, and I hate them all. They're hitting a real sore spot for me. There are so many films that, because they have no money, have to just go out to the California desert and say, we're post-apocalyptic. And they try to excel you on the idea that it's some satire, when in fact it's mostly just a carnival. It's mostly just WrestleMania 86. But if that's what it's got to be, again, it's a fighting game. What else are you going to do with this property? I understand that it has to be that. My hope would be that we could make it less about the world, the sci-fi elements, which are just poorly rendered, cinematography, all of that just looks like utter shit, and give us maybe like a Rocky story. If I can like the main character and root for him throughout this competition, there'll be a leg up on Mortal Kombat, where I was never swayed by Ryu. I have no problem with the setup here, and I'm going to say that the camera work may not be stuff to write home about, but I really like some of the art direction going on here. The use of color in the lights, the palettes that they're using. Horrendous! You can't like this. I refuse. No, I actually found myself amazed. This looks so much better and so much more cinematic than I had been afraid it would when I put this thing in. I mean, I was expecting Rave to the Grave, and I got something that I would have accepted in a theater as far as the look. You did not. That looks like 90s television. No, it looks <laughs> so much better than that. My needle is pointing more towards Arnie's side, I gotta say. And maybe it's the lowered expectations coming in, but I was not appalled by the look of this movie. I was actually a little bit impressed in parts where I was like, wow, this you know, maybe not blockbuster level multi-million dollar budget, but definitely better than Sunday night TV drama stuff. I don't see it. Again, it just looks like every ugly post-apocalyptic, no-budget piece of direct-to-video crap that they made in the 80s and the 90s. He's running around literally in a junkyard at the start with a tattered American flag in the background being run over by bulldozers. I'll agree that the set design of the post-apocalyptic slums that we do not spend much time in is lacking and it's very dark so that we don't see the seams i mean if they'd had more money it would have looked like where the main character lived in ready player one they didn't but i'm saying overall this movie overall has a good look to it and it's smart in its use of limited setting later on to set it up here with all the slums and all the backstory they stayed true to the game pretty much they did not want to alter that mythology and upset people they have it where the Tekken Corporation kills Jin's mother. Jin is presumed dead, but survives. Now, he doesn't go to his grandfather for training, and there's no Mexican demon <laughs> running around. But they did keep it true in that way. I'm glad it goes where it does, because when he's taking... <laughs> 
<laughs> he's taking something that looks like the Cybertron version of the Phantasm Ball and giving it to some long-haired guys. And they go, 20,000 gigs. First of all, that's just called 20 terabytes. And then they go, we're going to get some serious speed with this. 20,000 gigs per second? Or are we talking about a hard drive? Is, is it solid state? I was seriously afraid we were going to be living in another movie like this, but I hate it. Johnny Mnemonic. I thought this was going to be Johnny Mnemonic with running around with the 20,000 gig tech. You'll have to convince me where it's not, because that's exactly, exactly what it is. I think that it is just the right instinct. It's my instinct. I'm really happy when Hiachi and Kazuya blow up the slums and kill all these people. That's where this movie starts to get more interesting. Because earlier, when you have some guy a fence on a sofa with two women, I'm glad they all die. I'm glad that we get to a Tekken tournament and it gets there pretty quick. Uh, 35 minutes into a 90-minute movie is not that quick in my estimations. There is a lot of time in this obvious set where, yeah, we have jokes like, hey, do you want to buy some Colombian? And they're buying coffee. I mean, you laughing yet? It's a lot of that. I think it sells to me their poverty. Oh, I get that. Yeah, it's every low-budget sci-fi movie ever. Cherry 2000. At this point, the pace of it isn't dragging so much that I'm noticing a bunch of flaws. I mean, I understand that they're trying to set up a revenge plot for us to get thrown into. To that end, I think it's working. I'm not feeling slogged down in these ghettos, and Arnie's right when they blow these guys up and they come in and assassinate them. I'm fine with it. And all this time, we've been getting a little bit of exposition through these television screens to let us know about this tournament that we're supposed to know is a worldwide event and a TV show entertainment extravaganza. So at least it's building up to something where we can look forward to getting into the action of what is supposed to be a game about fighting or a movie about a game that's fighting. And I'm just trying to get a hold of the characters and things, you know? I mean, we're introduced to... June, who's Jin's mom, she's training him and telling him, don't go fight in Tekken. But then he has an orange and runs off to see his girlfriend. She's the most pathetic woman in cinema history. She is going to, for the rest of the movie, stand there watching TV and going, go Jin, and never matter again. But... At this point, I think maybe he's going to be fighting to save her. They get some steamy, soft R-rated sex. Is she a girlfriend or just a chocolate whore? I don't know. She's never had <laughs> chocolate, and he can buy it because he's been stealing tech. All of this stuff is flirting with the idea that he is an entrepreneur. Is he a street fighter or is he a thief? I can't even tell, but somehow he's winding up with money by sticking it to tech, and he's always opposed to Tekken, but it's not political at first. It gets politicized because Tekken, specifically under Kaizuya's reign, he's controlling the jackhammers, comes in there and ices his mom. You're right, Stuart. They're showing us all these actions that a heroic character might make, but they're giving us no reason to believe that this person is virtuous or somebody that we should get behind. It's so much of a muddle, but we're just supposed to go along with it because it's like every other movie that has ever been like this. We can just plug it into the formula and go, oh, okay, it's Running Man all over again. 
Yeah, I love that we keep bringing up new ones of these and we haven't repeated one yet. There are so many of these. It is not an original premise. I completely get it. You said it gets politicized. I don't know that Jen ever has politics. It becomes personal when his mother's dead. It's still not political. I don't think he was ever on the side of the renegades who he was stealing the tech for either. He was just a means to get some chocolate and some pussy. I mean, here now... His mother dies, and he just wants revenge. Did you recognize Mama June, by the way? It's not the mother of Honey Boo Boo. Yeah, that's what, I was, that's what I was afraid you were saying. I was like, oh, wow, she looks better. No, Mama June is the girlfriend of Ralph Macchio in Karate Kid Part 2. Yes! Okay. Oh, wow, nice. Mm-hmm. That's a deep pull. And I think that it helps establish her as a fighter because we're told for the rest of the movie that she instilled all these lessons that he's going to use to beat every fighter he comes against. She'll pop up in flashbacks basically to just scold him. But the fact that she's got a little bit more star moxie and connected to Karate Kid in some weird way makes her legitimate <laughs> to me. <laughs> <laughs> it shouldn't, especially part two, but still better than part three. I guess it's not Hillary Swank. But yeah, these are people who, when I looked at their IMDb, they've all worked. They've all got the little IMDb photo that shows they are more than a one-time actor. And the acting here, I can say this. For stuntmen, they're great thespians. <laughs> but for thespians, they're terrible stuntmen. <laughs> <laughs> That's my Jackie Chan rule. <laughs> yeah, it's. I think our main actor, John Fu, is doing as well as Robin Shao did in Mortal Kombat. Which wasn't very good. He's better than that, actually. Yeah, but they're both so much better than Jean-Claude was in Street Fighter. <laughs> well, you can understand what he's saying, first and foremost. I mean, he's not a leading man. He's not going to carry a film. He's not going to get plucked out of obscurity because of this role. But he's doing enough to keep me watching this movie you know he's he looks kind and i think maybe that's why he was cast he has kind looking eyes which maybe we're supposed to be able to empathize with he also looks very european i just want to throw that out there they're wanting him to cross over to an american audience and he does not have an accent they really are trying to sell him again this was originally cast with a completely caucasian actor who just said you know what i'm not comfortable doing that I'm being called Jen. I'll admit this first half hour is the weakest half hour of the movie. There's some decent pyrotechnics when they blow up the house and things, but it's nothing spectacular, yet it's still better than your average sci-fi movie. I mean, I just need to say that this was aimed for theatrical release. I think that it has a low-budget theatrical look and not a TV look, but it's when the half-hour mark hits and he decides he's going to join this tournament that it kicks into high gear for me because it basically is Mortal Kombat, right? They did the exact same thing with the Mortal Kombat movie of the story is about a fighting tournament. We're not going to try to make it anything else. We're going to tell the story of two people entering a ring and one person leaving it, and that's exactly what the game is. I, everyone knows I'm not the action guy, but I'm really appreciating when they hire really good people because the choreography here is bad, right? I mean, it's severely lacking. You can see in almost every shot that the punches are not landing. There's some obvious cutting around uh, all of this stuff. It looks like these people know how to do stunts. They can be laying on the ground and flip up to their feet, but they cannot sell me on the idea that they're attacking one another. But at the same time, there's enough knowledge in the filmmaking here to make some of these scenes 
look like they're directly from the game. I mean, some of the camera angles sweep the same way that the game would. In these fighting games, it's never a one-punch-and-done type of thing. It's usually back and forth, back and forth. And I guess my question here is, once we do get into these fights, I can't quite get the level of violence they're going for. They're being very cagey with the blood, and they're being very cagey with cuts and stuff like that. They cut away when somebody's arm breaks. So I'm not quite sure what they're trying to hit as far as the violence meter goes. Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to be satisfied. Dad is going to want to see more blood, and the kids, you know, it's goofy enough and cartoonish enough to hold their attention. It's rated R. It's what? not it. Yeah. This movie? Yeah. Wow. So it's not aiming for the kids. Huh. It does get a little bloody later on. There's no lack of blood, but yeah, they shy away, maybe because of a money thing of not being able to show a compound fracture occur. There's one point where somebody gets a leg broken and then stands up on it and looks fine. I'm like, did the Foley artist not get a memo that that <laughs> leg was not to crack? But I think it's a pretty cool scene when he comes in. It's all right. I was thinking about Spider-Man, the original Sam Raimi or the original 60s comic at this point where he goes in for the cage match i was thinking he'd go in martial law is ready are we supposed to know who kung lee is because this whole thing felt like it was for some audience somewhere to be like oh that's kung lee we're getting a special cameo here but it didn't land for me he's an mma fighter i know that you know he really does this professionally and i think he's served as a stuntman and popped up and things but Cunley no he needs to change the name I'm just saying the way that scene was shot was in such a way that like it was like presenting Kung Lee ladies and gentlemen and I just didn't know who he was I think it's a good fight. I like that the choreographers here have them using the cage to the fullest. And when I watch a fight like this, what I want is kinetic action and good choreography. I'm getting it from this movie. Okay, I see, and that's what I'm saying, like, well, I can at least understand Mortal Kombat was goofy fun. It was engaging at least because it was outlandish. Here, I don't like MMA, and I think people that like MMA will not like what they're seeing here because it doesn't have that quality to it. It doesn't feel real, doesn't feel sweaty, it doesn't feel brutal at all. I think that there was a couple of hits that I went, ooh, during, especially during this early fight. But when they're running up on the sides of the cage and everything and doing those moves, and I like that they take other things from the game. One of the things I enjoyed about the games was when you'd knock out your opponent, they do a replay and we get to watch it again just to really kind of twist that knife on whoever lost. <laughs> they do that here. So when they do a really cool move, they actually have a replay camera because this is being broadcast on television. But when it happens the first time, they're not slowing it down. So I'm getting a real feeling of speed off of these people. And I'm going to say this is my favorite fight of the movie for one and one reason only is because it's the first and only time I'm going to fall for Jin's getting his ass beat and then coming back to win thing, which happens in every single fight he's in for the rest of the movie. It's so annoying after a while. Yeah, who could even care after a while? You want him to lose. I'll agree that, yeah, this time I was like, wow, he lost? How is that going to work? And then he pulled himself back. I'm like, okay, that shows he has the will. They shouldn't have done that again and again, though. They keep wanting to give a role for Mama June. Like, Mama June's going to come in, say something from a fortune cookie, and he'll get the strength to come back and fight. Yeah, remember, don't get your ass kicked. Oh, yeah, that's right, I'm fighting. <laughs> it is that helpful, I will say. A lot of her advice is like, yeah, when you fall down, get up. <laughs> <laughs> you only lose when you decide you lose. 
I think you also lose when the opponent breaks your leg. Just <laughs> FYI. Anyway, it just seems very easy for Jen. This is the wild card slot. All eight corporations, and then they open it up for somebody from the Anvil. Yeah, someone from the slums can go, and it's kind of just seen as promotion. No one expects them to win. Hunger Games did a similar thing with Katniss. You know, you're from some districts, and nobody thinks much. You're just grist for the mill. That's what this ninth slot is. But Jen is going to prove in every fight that he is not to be underestimated. And he's the people's choice. (laughs) I was definitely thinking Hunger Games with that, where just because he's the one who had to go through, is whoever came up through this, if martial law had beat him, was martial law the people's choice? Or (laughs) (laughs) It's funny you bring up Hunger Games, because I was getting quite the vibe of that as well. Yeah, well, I mean, again, this concept is pretty rote yeah Yeah, it's old it's out there again i kept going to running man that was the closest comparative i had was the running man was just sort of like wwf in a near future dystopia and had a particularly appealing actor in the lead yet i still managed to find enough about it that was entertaining i'm hoping to do that same thing here but by this point again i'm not seeing anybody with a tiger head i'm not laughing at anything i'm just kind of meh so nothing's grabbed you yet Uh, how about if we offer you a jason statham wannabe (laughs) Yeah, he gets a sponsor because he is the non-corporate candidate. He needs some Brit to go around and, I don't know. Did he do anything? He gave him power gloves. He gives gloves. (laughs) Ah, the gloves. You're right. At some point, he gives him some red leather studded gloves. That's why he's here. You're right. That's it. (laughs) Well, he also, in any movie, you have to have a point of view character. And our point of view character is Jin. And Jin is going into a situation that he doesn't know. He's never left the slums. He's never been inside Tekken Corporation. He doesn't know what he's going into. This is his guide who will explain to Jin and thus expose to us what's going on and how we know what's who. And he is from the games. Steve Fox. I think he was the boxer that I really liked. I kicked your ass as him. (laughs) Yeah, he showed up for the first time in Tekken 4. And yeah, he was a Brit boxer. And to me... You said Jason Statham. My cut is a little bit deeper on that. I was thinking Vinnie Jones. Just kind of the soccer hooligan. This guy just looked more rough than Jason Statham. Like, Vinnie Jones... Well, I guess he did pull off a suit in Midnight Meat Train. But this guy just wouldn't look quite right in a suit. Vinnie Jones didn't look quite right in a suit. Jason Statham wore a suit nicely in Transporter. So we're inside the dome, 35 minutes in... Anything grabbing you here? I like this conceit of the movie. We're Keep in mind, we're in a fighting video game movie. And this is the first time that we've been given a legitimate excuse to have, like Arnie brought up, replays, graphic overlays, an introduction to fighters, a stage with different type of environments and whatnot. I will give the movie this. They've given us at least a reason to be looking at fighters fighting in weird places with totem poles and spiky floors and huge video game monitors above them. I will give them that much. I will enjoy watching fights in this arena. And I'm also getting a little bit in. I learned a lot of the mythology after seeing this movie, but seeing the Kazuya stuff, I mean... I was curious when we jumped in and he's having the three-way and then it's the, yeah, it's a rote story. I want my father's inheritance. The old man's living too long. I'm going to kill him. Seen it a million times. But Ian Anthony Dale, the actor who plays Kazuya, 
is really good at being a charismatic Lothario. This guy has acted in a lot of television, and I think he's perfectly fine here as being a guy I love to hate. You're having feelings about these people? Again, I get the pageantry. Yes, WWF. Everyone's going to come out in a costume, and it is. It's always exciting when people you know from one realm, be it cartoon or video game, suddenly have been brought to life. But they need to have star power. In order to fully reanimate into a film, you need to be like, wow, there they are. Here, I'm like, Kylie Minogue in Street Fighter had more <laughs> star moxie than any of these people. You're right. And to have them be presented to us as stars of this American Gladiator show, and then to see these people, there's a disconnect there, for sure. None of them have any gravitas on screen for us to believe that. It looks like people dressing up for Halloween as people we know. Like, oh, there's Dennis Rodman. No, it's Raven, whatever that is. <laughs> he very much was a Rodman wannabe. <laughs> Understand, your hatred of this movie is such that I find myself defending it harder than I feel it needs. Yeah, why are you defending it? Well, because it's not as bad as you say, but I need to stress the mediocrity of everything. I wish you would. It's just not poor. It's mediocre. Yeah, <laughs> it's worse than mediocre. It's not. Again, you're trying to convince listeners who may not have seen it that this is here with Deep Blue Sea 2 or the second Fright Night 2. This has a much better look to it. It was video, but it feels like I'm watching film. I like the use of light and shadow. I really like what they've done with this guy's hairstyle. The problem is there's a lot of nothing going on in regards to a lot of the characters they introduce. I know that they do a lot of this for fan service. They introduce and they name drop characters from the game. It didn't work so well for Mortal Kombat 2 to shove as many characters in as you could, but they're doing that. But I like that they've limited the number of fighters to eight. And when Jin goes in there and sees them all doing their various training and we get to see who they are, now we do have the Hunger Games paradox of a romantic relationship between two people who may have to pummel the shit out of each other later on. But I'm going with it enough. I'm engaged and entertained, if not enthralled. Again, if you want me to say this movie is more mediocre than I'm giving it credit, it is not the worst of the worst. It's very much in a pattern of movies I don't like, and it's not even among the best. This is no Running Man by any stretch, which was a weak recommend <laughs> <laughs> but i like that they're not trying to be campy they're not going jokey they're taking themselves seriously i think the worst thing they could have done is started having Arnold puns and an opera guy dressed up in christmas lights because i would turn on this movie faster than Jin turns around when jumping off a fence now they do do that I mean, in the opening parkour fight he slams somebody on the fridge and says "Ooh, that's cold this movie is not above that no, but they do keep the one-liners to a dull roar. I mean, it wasn't every time that they could throw something out there where we're getting corny one-liners. They do stick out when they do throw them out there, especially during later fights when some of the women are fighting each other, which might be the worst part of the movie. Yeah. This is where I can see Stuart's point. is It looks terribly choreographed. They're pulling their punches, <laughs> and they're throwing out terrible one-liners. Why not any wet t-shirt contest and baby oil pools? I mean, just really... <laughs> Really? You're going to tell me that's a fight? I do think the fight is bad. I'm actually really disappointed with Nina Williams and Anna Williams. 
they're assassins who work for Kazuya. And yet they're also having a three-way with Kazuya. And yet they're also two of the contestants in Tekken. And yet they're sisters, but each corporation is supposed to send one person. So they're sisters. <laughs> or, or do they just share a last name, like Smith? Like, that's why they're happy to jump into bed together is because they're not related. I think they're really underused. They only have eight people. But really, they only focus on three or four of them, and a lot of them seem more interesting, such as Raven and Miguel Rojo and Eddie Gordo. I'd like to see a little bit more of them. Brian Fury, he gets a good feature, but a lot of the rest of them, I just wish there was more character. This movie completely sidesteps what would be an obvious problem for most audiences. You don't have any big guys beating on the women. They create a glow category for these chicks to, again, <laughs> it's like fighting as the cowboy ugly might have it be done. It feels like a wet t-shirt contest more than it does. You know, at some point, she's going to steal Jen away and they're going to go dancing, and I'm like, I believe you in that realm. I believe you <laughs> when you're on the nightclub floor. I do not buy you when you're in the arena. <laughs> I must have missed something in the scene just prior to that where Kazuya is on a computer and he decides to do a DNA search of Jin. And it was just a quick shot, if you guys know what I'm talking about. Uh -huh, yeah, yeah. Jin's picture and a woman's picture, which I took as Christy real quick. And oh. it's a DNA match. <laughs> Cut to them making out at a nightclub. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are we doing here? <laughs> Very alarming for you, I would think. See, I had a different thing going on. I really was wondering, as much as Steve Fox was helping Jin, guiding him through and giving him advice and giving him rational talks, I'm like, there's kind of a father-son bond going on here. And then just before his death, you know, as they always do in movies, Steve gives him the gloves. Like, here are your iconic gloves. They were my gloves once. I'm like, oh, so Jen's half white. It's going to be Steve Fox as the dad. And then they do the DNA test. I'm like, okay, they fooled me. I really thought they were going to say Steve was the dad. And that's why he followed Jin around after the fight against martial law. We already know that Jin has, when he was digging through the rubble to find his mom's body, found her ID card, and even though she told him never get involved in Tekken, she in fact came to this contest many years ago. She was a participant, and then later, yeah, this trainer conveniently was like, oh yeah, I fought with her. So yeah, maybe they're teasing the idea that you think he's the father, but it kind of unravels. It's not really a mystery because no one's intrigued, but eventually... I was intrigued. All right. Kazuya eventually comes out with the fact that he is the father. It's an episode of Jerry Springer all of a sudden. And <laughs> now what? It's time to just take over. And suddenly they just forget the arena entirely. He's just going to have a coup in which he's going to have his father hauled away to jail and change the rules so that now the fighters are all going to kill each other. And he's told the best fighter... You're going to kill my son, Jen, because I know you're really a cyborg and I'll expose you otherwise. The other fighters seem to know that, too. Christy kind of made a comment about him being a cyborg. I like that 
little addition, you know? In the future, you can get these cybernetic enhancements. You see him punching through cement bricks, and I'm like, wow, I wonder if he really punched through cement bricks or if that's styrofoam, because, you know, you see those demos of martial artists punching cement and breaking it, and then we find out it's not even supposed to be human, it's supposed to be robot. He's the Terminator, and it does come out in the games more, some of the Terminator elements. Yeah, and this is Gary Daniels. That He was one of those 90s straight-to-tape video action stars. One of the lowest-ranked, I think. But yeah, he has some clout in this arena. That's about what I equate this with. This does feel like something that Don the Dragon Wilson would be doing in 1995 with <laughs> Cynthia Rothrock. Ah, <laughs> uh, the queen of late-night Cinemax. But is Yoshimitsu not robotic? Because when he comes out with his sword, I'm thinking that's all robot. Oh, he certainly has a C-3PO stomach plate with the gold and the circles. <laughs> you know, just from playing the game, that was kind of a question we always used to ask ourselves. If I remember correctly, you could electrocute him to a certain degree. So I don't know if it's a question that was ever answered in the game itself. But yeah, he was either an animated dead samurai or some sort of robot. Here it said that he's a true samurai warrior and a weapons expert. But I'm thinking, wait a second. So I can't have a cybernetic enhancement, but I can wear a full suit of armor and I can bring a sword while right. other people are just coming in barefoot. I mean, if I was going into this, I'd look like the knight out of Monty Python. I mean, I'd just be in there in the Tin Man suit being like, punch away. Yeah, exactly. I'll fight Mike Tyson if I can wear concrete. I mean, what's the, what's the challenge of this? And check me if I'm wrong here, but Jen loses this fight for real. Like... Gets his shoulder dislocated and his sponsors like they should call the fight. It should be over because the samurai, again, he has a sword. I don't know why that's fair, but he really kicks the shit out of him. No, remember Mama June shows up again and says... She said something about unmasking the demon and then we don't take off Yoshimitsu's mask. <laughs> the one masked character and he doesn't... Uh, I don't know. Yeah, but Jin gets one solid hit in, punching him in the face, and I think we're supposed to think Yoshimitsu was killed. I don't know. Well, isn't this when the takeover starts happening? Yeah, I'm disappointed. I was enjoying the martial arts tournament of fight and then talk a little bit and then fight. The first half an hour, I was like, where are the fights? There was a couple explosions, but I wanted fighting. Second half hour gave it to me in spades. And then at the one hour mark before the end, now we're back in the underground and refugees. And I feel like this is a scene maybe out of the War of the Worlds syndicated TV show from the 80s. I'm confused. This is where my needle starts going back towards Stuart's side. Because now we're in a boiler room running around with machine guns and people are getting shot. I thought Roderick took one to the heart, but it was only in his arm we find out later. Once we get away from the arena, it really starts to devolve into crappy sci-fi. Here's the problem is we want the arena this is a movie that tells us oh this is bad that tekken does this to people no actually we came here for the fights and the best stuff here are when people are just in a cage going at each other so when you try to tell us they should be overthrowing whoever is in charge at this point it's been taken from hihachi and now controlled by kazuya but same intent i mean as long as they get blood on the mat 
That's why the ratings go up. That's what people really want. That's what audiences in the movie and watching this movie want to see. So I think they really lose by trying to take a step away from the arena and have Hihachi suddenly become the confidant of Jin. Yeah. For the first half hour, I was trying to get my footing. For the second half hour of this movie, I was clearly in recommend territory. And then we get to this, and I'm, like, falling back down. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> you had something going and working well. I get it. Every half hour of a movie, you want to change it up. You want to change something. But the Tekken games, how do you get control? How do you defeat your enemy? You do it in the ring. You Yes, they do have these jack soldiers and things, and yeah, Tekken 7 did take it outside and have a lot of this stuff going on, but they just can't pull it off as well. I will say I do like, of all the design work, I do think the jackhammers are probably the coolest thing here, for me anyway. That's what they send out to get them. They're basically stormtroopers and samurai outfits. It's uh, based on that character that you can play in the Tekken game. Yeah, but Jack was a cyborg who in the early ones looked like Guile and then later looked like Robo Guile. Here, these guys look like the Foot Clan from 1990s TMNT. I'm like, I'm having trouble <laughs> taking their hockey masks seriously. That says something when they're the best dressed in this production. You're right. They had a ninja slash samurai feel to them, and they were wielding machine guns. They were all over the place, but they were kind of cool looking. Yeah. And they killed poor Steve. He's the Obi-Wan of all of this. Or the Mickey, if you will. Yeah, there's, there's no force. I'm glad that to differentiate themselves from Mortal Kombat, at no point does Jin turn into a winged beast. At no point does he shoot <laughs> fireballs with his hands. That was the one thing that really disappointed me about Tekken the game, is every fighting game, somebody can shoot fireballs. Tekken 1, Tekken 2, I can't get anybody to shoot a damn fireball. Tekken 7, I'm like, yes, finally, somebody's shooting fire. <laughs> but it was Akuma. He'd crossed over from Street Fighter into Tekken 7. <laughs> right? <laughs> Anyway, I don't notice that anything is different about the new rules. Once they finally get back to the arena, we do have this nonsensical fight between Brian Fury, the big badass, and Sergei, the evil Russian, who I think we're supposed to think he gets beheaded yeah. by this barbed wire, but actually when they cut to his body being dragged away, his head is clearly on it. So <laughs> I think he got gutted. Yeah, I was waiting for decapitation too, but as they drug him away, it almost looked like his midsection was stretched out. Maybe? Or maybe they just threw some red paint on him. Again, if you're here for the gore, this is substandard to anything in the 90s. Like a Jean-Claude Van Damme Bloodsport movie is going to give you more than what this movie is doing. But the fight is good. When they put down the weapons, I didn't like the spear versus chain fight. But when they lose those weapons and they start kicking, punching, and flipping, again, it's Good choreography. These are good stuntmen doing good things. I don't think this is good at all. That's one thing I'm going to staunchly disagree. I've seen and recognized that even when I don't like a movie, when they have good fighting, this is, again, I can tell their fists are nowhere near each other when they're throwing them. This is either poorly staged for the camera or poorly choreographed, but I think this stuff is poor. I never once noticed a punch not hitting. It didn't draw my attention. We keep having this conversation about the fights being good or bad, and one person that we kind of glossed over is Eddie Gordo. He was one of the first fights. He was one of my favorite characters in the game because he kind of did that reggae breakdance fighting type of thing, and if you used him right in the game, he was kind of unbeatable because he was just a fury of legs and arms flying at you, and I thought they did a pretty good job of recreating that in the movie here, but they dispatched him in the first fight so we could get more 
brute strength fights going forward. I would have liked them to save him for later on in the movie when we could have used a change of pace visually with these fights. Yeah. I think one of the neat things about the game is that each fighter has its own style. Maybe that's true of all fighting games, but I noticed it playing Tekken that they truly do have their own moves and and that would have been fun to play with. Again, I think the pattern here should have been far less neo-future dystopia and more like, let's just do Rocky or Bloodsport or just let's get good people and give them the space to impress us with what they can physically do. That would have been enough for me to be on board. But as it is, yeah, they're just so in love with this phony sci-fi world. There's no believability to any of these characters. I agree with you, Justin, that the fights are just a lot of the same kind of thing. Again, I do watch MMA from time to time, so there is just a lot of punching and kicking and not a lot of reggae dancing and armored (laughs) ninjas. But I like the fact that they're amping up the story. I was surprised. I was fooled. I shouldn't have been. I'll admit it. But I thought Hiachi was killed. I thought Kazuya succeeded in killing his dad. I mean, sure, he could have always come back in a sequel anyway. And they undercut that moment by having that end credit scene. But I thought this was a actual change of power. And now he's ruling the kingdom. He has all the power and Jin has an even harder time because he has to kill his father. Well, what's happened is they've transferred one father and son battle into a new father and son battle. No sooner has Kaiyuza gotten rid of awful dad than suddenly he's got a son that thinks he's as awful as he thought his dad was. So, I mean, I kind of like that just as a story conceit, but I can't say that any of this family melodrama dynamics is landing its punch. No, absolutely not. It also just kind of goes to show the biggest sin this movie overlooks is not having Hihachi in some sort of fight. He's always been in the games. He's been the face of the game since the beginning. If you look at the cover from the original Tekken, it's Hihachi's face right there front and center with his bald head and winged out side flaps, you know? And to not have him take off his shirt and get in those karate pants and kick some ass at some point in this movie is a major mistake that they made doing this. Yeah, I would almost agree with you, except the actor playing him is probably too old to be doing it. There was a time back in Big Trouble Little China where he would have gladly gotten into the arena. But at this point, 30 years later, I don't think that he's up for it. That's where you bring in the stunt double. I agree with you, though. I think if you're going to have the characters who fought in the game, you should have them fight in the game. You shouldn't have Jack take him out and supposedly shoot him behind the building. You should have the big fight between father and son and end with a glorious moment that would both set Katsuya up as, holy shit, he's a really good fighter and he's going to be hard for Jin to take down, and give a real action-y moment of Hiachi's death. That's all I'm asking for. And if you can't fake it with stunt doubles, get a different actor. Or tell a different story. I mean, the whole thing in this story has been about the father-son dynamic through the generations and a revenge plot revolving around that. And to just push the father aside and have him executed off screen, it doesn't match up with everything we've been seeing this movie tell us so far. Mm -hmm. Everyone should have their moment, and that character does not get one. And with Christy running around... So, is Jin got a new girlfriend here? Is he down with OPP? What is... <laughs> I mean, we keep cutting back to his old girlfriend who's there looking like a street urchin with the dirt on her face. I feel like she just walked off Willy Wonka set with <laughs> Uncle Joe 
And I'm like, wait a second. Is she not seeing on TV what I'm seeing of Jin and Christy? She doesn't want a man. She wants a crunch bar. Like, just throw her some <laughs> Nestle's and she's gone. Yeah, that that was really weird. At the beginning, you know, I thought maybe it was his girlfriend, but then how easily he hooks up with Christy. I was like, oh, well, maybe they were just F buddies or whatnot. But yeah, they keep cutting back to her. It doesn't make any sense to why they even had her in the beginning in the first place. They could have cut that character completely and it wouldn't have changed a thing about this movie. The only reason to retain it is because it did provide some sexual stimulus for the audience early on. It takes so long to get to Christy, you need to believe that Jen had something going. And I don't know, maybe there's something in the mythology about these characters and maybe it is a love triangle that they wanted to explore in sequels. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... Really, I just, it's so not involving. But somehow, and I'll admit to being a little bit confused by this turn of events, Jen and Christy run away. The Jack Troopers are everywhere. There's a corporate coup. Jen looks like he needs to be medevaced out to a mash unit somewhere. Then they all just come back together to continue the tournament, and other people are around. Somehow we jumped straight to the finals between Jin and Brian? Yeah, I do not know. Uh, Either it felt edited out or we are to like certain people now and thus not want to see them be eliminated. We don't want to see Christy end up a corpse, right? And that's what it would take in order for this truly to be a one-on-one final match. That's what should have happened. Instead, most of the characters are alive. I don't even think Anna got into the ring. No. No. (laughs) Be that as it may, anything to expedite an ending, I'm for. Let's do this. We have Jen coming down hard on the robot's head, and it doesn't kill him, but or maybe it doesn't count because he's a robot. I don't know. I think it does kill him. I mean, he's unbeatable, and then June shows up again with the, you're not lost. So he climbs up a massive rock and does a jump that would clearly break both of his legs and yet get some punch in. There's one thing about Tekken. They are not jumping games. When I play Mortal Kombat, when I play Street Fighter, X-Men versus Capcom, whatever, you leap and it's like you're flying. These Tekken games, they actually jump just about to knee height. So the fact that he leaps off this high rock and gets that kill blow off screen, we don't actually get to see him (laughs) fall and connect. I don't think you ever see a connection in this entire film. I don't think you ever see somebody hit somebody else. Well, there actually were some hits because the stuntmen actually showed behind the scenes. One guy got kicked in the face and had a split lip and was like, ah, just keep on filming. (laughs) So he beats Brian and then Katsuya comes out with axes and there's one more fight to be had. I mean, I think that's fair. I mean, I'll give him this. It's better than Jean-Claude beating up on Raul Julia. You want to see the biggest bad, who I guess at this point, through his trickery and all that he has implemented, he is worse. His father seemed bad, but he is worse because he is a rapist and he is turned this honorable tournament, (laughs) I use that loosely, into a bloody fight to the death match. And he's exploited our worst instincts. He's bad, and so he must pay by his own rules, except he's not going to die in this fight. No, it's... It's almost like Karate Kid Part 2. He has the axe up for the death blow to kill his father, and then just throws it away. It's like that. Yeah, Christy apparently told Jen while they were dancing that he should be in more control of his emotions, and that means, I guess, not killing. 
And that goes back to the whole demon spirit thing I talked about in the original mythology. I mean, he does have a, a demon spirit tattoo. He doesn't grow wings, but... You're saying he's possessed by a demonic gene. Yeah. In this movie. Yeah. I don't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> but he overcomes it at the end. Yeah, whatever. Even though I was finally expecting some gore, because at the end of that fight with Katsuya, he takes an axe and goes right across the belly. I thought intestines were going to flop out. Not in this movie. <laughs> no, I mean, it was barely special effects putty there to make a cut. But I'm just saying <laughs> you save it for the climax if they were going to do it. If they were going to have a climax. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now you guys have me questioning. I looked it up. Uh, yeah, M-P-A-A-R. Mm-mm. And they even sent it back, and it got a second R. <laughs> For what? And then they didn't even release it in theater, so who cares? Well, you still MPAA direct to video. Not always. Not always. Call it the unrated cut. Yeah, and just go for it, especially if you're not dealing with movie theaters. So as Jin walks out, the people's choice and now ruler of the Tekken Corp, are you guys looking forward to the sequel? Because I'll admit... My expectations were bested because I expected utter shit. And I'm like, huh, I wonder where they'll take this because I know we're talking about Tekken more next week. Well, in order for me to answer that, I'd have to say whether I recommend this or not. Spoiler alert. No. (laughs) Yeah, I wasn't in suspense about that. But Justin, do you recommend Tekken? I don't know what to do with this movie. As just a movie, no, I don't recommend it. If you're following along with us in this video game retrospective, this ranks up there better than any of the other fighting to movie games that we've looked at. It's it's what better than Mortal Kombat? No, you take that back. Yes, (laughs) it is better than Mortal Kombat because it does the one thing Mortal Kombat never does, which is give us a believable reason to be in a fighting arena and have, like I said before, those graphic overlays and introductions and make it feel like a video game come to life. Mortal Kombat just gave us characters that look like they were in a video game and fought. This thing was a little bit unique in that way, where it brought elements from the game into a movie and gave you a reason to buy into it. Now, did the whole movie work? No, there's plenty of boring stuff going on here. But with the acting and stuff like that, I was never offended by anybody's acting. It was all just fine. It was all just there, and I can see why it never made its way to theaters and, you know, you ask, am I looking forward to Tekken 2? Well, I've never seen either of these, but to see that the next one is about Kazuya again, I would really like to see what the hell happened to him. So, yeah, for this movie, I'm going to say not recommend if you're just looking for a good fight movie. If you're looking for a decent video game fight movie, this will do. And that's about as much as I can say for it. There's a difference between a real fight movie and a video game fight movie. Oh, yeah, because you feel like there's things that they have to get in there for people who know things from the game. Okay. If you're not tied to any of that stuff and you can just do what you want to do, yeah. Fans of the game will like it. Nobody else should see it. And even then, I don't know. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm i the wrong person to ask for that because I'm never a fan of the story a video game tells me. I'm either a fan of the game for the gameplay or I'm not. Yeah. Stuart. I'm going to split the difference and say this is just as terrible as Mortal Kombat. So Artie's <laughs> right. It's it's not better than that, but it's that was a terrible film, and so is this. It shouldn't be this hard. I'll give him this much. 
they steered far away from the obvious mistakes that Street Fighter and Double Dragon did by trying to make it so much about something that wasn't video game play. Here, once they finally got to the arena, they realized that was its strong suit, and it's the best stuff in the movie. I unmemorable as the way I would characterize most of the fighting. Straddles between being embarrassing, the chick fights, and just being kind of dumb, unimpressive, non-adrenalized fighting. Again, I think anyone that wants... I've seen... Bloodsport, Kickboxer, all that 90s stuff. And why didn't they just get those guys? They would be on just such stronger footing if it had B-level stars that could bring that charisma and that legitimacy to this B-level property. I mean, I do think this is not a heartfelt story. No one's going to be moved by the family dynamics. No one's going to think it's good drama. You needed to sell this on its spirit of having good fighting and people with screen appeal. And it has neither. I mean, honestly, this is very dissatisfying. For, I would have thought for everyone, but I'm I'm hearing contrary opinions. So yeah, no surprise for me, not recommend. So you said, why not bring back some of these people from the 90s? The answer is they're way too old now. I mean, I actually was thinking about a lot of those 90s movies too, because in the mid to late 90s, I was a college student and then I had a nothing job where I could watch movies at my job. I consumed a lot of movies in that period, like two to three a day. And what was I watching? Yeah, I was watching some Billy Blanks movies. I would actually go through Billy Blanks oeuvre. And why did I do that? Well, the answer is in some of them, I found something to enjoy. Yeah, Are these great cinema? Absolutely not. But I remember really, and it's been 25 years, so don't hold me too tight to this, but I remember really liking Showdown and Balance of Power with Billy Blanks. And yeah, not all the Jean-Claude movies were great, but none of them were. But I think about like Lionheart or Kickboxer. Did you know he's still making Kickboxer sequels, by the way? Mm -hmm. I did not realize that until I was making sure of my proper movie titles. And you mentioned Bloodsport. Bloodsport is better than this movie, but I feel like they're in the same league. It's not like one's in the minors and one's in the major leagues. No, none of them are great. I really want to stress that. I'm not saying by trying to reach back and be as good as Bloodsport, you're going for some brass ring. I mean, no, that movie sucked, but it had a certain appeal. It got the fighting right, which is all you have to do in order to make this a knockout. And here, I think John Fu does a decent job at the fighting. I never had any of the problems with the fighting you did. If I were to rewatch this, I might notice more punches not connecting, but I never noticed it on the first watch. And I just kept thinking, you know, as I mentioned, Katsuya in the first game, or as Justin mentioned, Martial Law in some of the later games, they desperately want to be Bruce Lee. And this movie, like Mortal Kombat and... Kind of like Kickboxer and kind of like Showdown. They so desperately want to be Enter the Dragon. And none of them are Enter the Dragon. But that doesn't mean that there aren't some just base B-movie jollies to be gotten here. I'm going to squeak it over. I really had to think about it, but I'm going to give it a weak recommend. And maybe part of that is the a long time coming new metal song. I did kind of go right to Amazon and buy that after because I really liked it. The soundtrack by Dog? No, actually, Dog never put out the stuff. But 
one specific song. It's actually called You're Going Down by the Sick Puppies. Yeah. Listen, I'm not proud of some of my music taste, Mm -hmm. but I liked it. Yeah. (laughs) For the Sick Puppy fans out there, they're going to eat this shit up. I love the fact that the hacker is like, I love the Beatles. They're not a corporate band or whatever. And then he's listening to Papa Roach. I'm like, I don't think you like the Beatles that much. Or I don't think you could afford the Beatles. Maybe that's it. I don't know. I, I appreciate that you tried to take this movie for what it was on a B level. I did too. I think this movie is a C grade level. You get some joy out of them. If we ever were, and we're not, listeners, we're not. But if we ever were to do a Billy Blanks retrospective series, <laughs> the mind just reels. <laughs> I wouldn't give them all red arrows. Sometimes I just can really enjoy a base action movie that doesn't fuck it up too bad. This movie didn't fuck it up too bad. And God, when you compare it to the video game movies we've done, it's up there. It really is, like, top five. What? You have to remember where we are. We're in the arcade. And yeah. everything we say here is with an asterisk, you know? <laughs> I mean, I'm comparing it to freaking Warcraft and Super Mario Brothers and Mortal Kombat 2 and... Chun-Li. Yeah. Both Street <laughs> Fighters. Yeah. It's better than a basket full of fish. I I agree with that. Yes, it is better than many of the films in the series, which, again, is not going to mean that I'm going to warm my heart to it and say, yes, go see it. No, it just means this is a really bad series. (laughs) But let's continue it. Why don't we? (laughs) I'll put another quarter in, and uh, we'll find out what happens in Tekken 2. Is it called Tekken Boogaloo? I don't know what it is. It's called Kazuya's Revenge, which is... thought the shits <laughs> <laughs> well you thought this one was the shit yeah i mean i can't imagine what's going to rupture from the <laughs> from the rear exit the dragon we'll call it you know what i have hope coming into this one i really was dreading watching this movie and i walked away like it wasn't so bad so could the sequel be better i'm looking forward to seeing katsua have revenge so yeah, yeah. Just so long as Chris Klein's nowhere near it, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, if it's as good as this film, I'll give it a red arrow. (laughs) (laughs) Well, meanwhile, if you don't like this film, what about this Friday? Our donation drive's coming to a close. It is getting to the last couple shows. So if you want to get the bundle that has the lowest price and get you the shows, this Friday, our last gold level podcast comes out, Donnie Brasco. And I do think this is a forgotten one. People always, oh, Godfather, sure, Scarface, maybe even no Carlito's Way, but Donnie Brasco, I forgot it was an Al movie. I, I, I vaguely remember a poster with Johnny Depp. I got it confused with Blow, another Johnny Depp movie where he's being an investigator into criminal activities. We'll see what it is. I'm curious to revisit it. I know I saw it once and don't remember a thing about it. And last Friday, a really beloved movie on our Platinum series, Heat, with Pacino, De Niro, Kilmer, so many other people. Danny Trejo's in it. What's he not in? Prison anymore, but... (laughs) (laughs) So you can find out all the details at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate. And yeah, we're going to be ending this donation drive September 1st. Hopefully you can get in on it, and we greatly appreciate your support of our show. 
and Justin Stewart. I greatly appreciate you guys continuing to endure the arcade with me. And until next week when we endure Katsuya's revenge, game over. Nice finish. Very entertaining, but completely out of control. Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Thank you for your loyal listening and appreciation. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for another new movie review podcast. 20,000 gigs. Get some serious speed with this. For what? Secret internet. New underground off the Tekken subgrid. And in the NowPlayingPodcast.com archives, you can find reviews of other video game movies, including Super Mario Brothers, Warcraft, Doom, Resident Evil, Alone in the Dark, Need for Speed, Street Fighter, Double Dragon, Mortal Kombat, It Came from the Desert, Tomb Raider, Rampage, Wing Commander, Final Fantasy, Prince of Persia, and more. He likes to play games. Let's give him some games. Also at our site, you can find hundreds of other movie reviews, including Star Wars, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Independence Day, The Avengers Films, Back to the Future, Batman, Superman, The Fast and the Furious, and more. You got anything interesting? Everything I got is interesting to somebody. You know what I mean? Do you want to continue? Insert money now to keep playing, now playing. Every other flight through this tournament has sponsors. Everyone except you. Now Playing Podcast is a show without any sponsors or ads. We rely on support from listeners like you to keep Now Playing operating. That'll be 200 taken red. How about 100 global blue? That will work. You can donate to the show and, as our thank you, receive bonus podcasts. Over 150 bonus movie reviews are available to choose from on the Now Playing Podbean page, including Alien, Night of the Living Dead, Jurassic Park, Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, Lord of the Rings, Psycho, Troll, and more. Find a full list of available bonus shows at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate. You're not just fighting for yourself anymore, Jen. You're fighting for all of us. You can also join the Now Playing Patron campaign through our Podbean site. Patrons of $10 or more get a new exclusive movie review every month. Plus, even more perks, including one where you can pick a movie for our hosts to review. Find the details on our website. It pays. Who cares where the money comes from? If you want even more Now Playing reviews, place your order now for the first Now Playing book, Underrated Movies We Recommend. Get reviews of 125 films our hosts love. You can order the book by clicking the banner at the top of our homepage. This is the good state, my friend. You can follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini reviews. Links to our social media pages are available on our homepage. We've been told to welcome strangers. As you never know, one day might be an angel in disguise. Now Playing Podcast is produced by Arnie Carvalho. What is it that you do exactly? Just a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Now Playing's video game retrospective series is edited by Arnie. I don't know how you do it. I guess I'm motivated. 
Now playing credits read by Brock. Are you an angel? The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. We interrupt this program to bring you the truth. Venganza Media Incorporated is not affiliated with the motion pictures reviewed or otherwise referred to herein. All movie clips and music included in this podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review and no infringement is intended. Running anti-tech and contraband will get you killed. Now Playing Podcast is an exclusive trademark of Vinganza Media Incorporated and may not be used without the expressed written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved. So that was against the rules. Not if you don't get caught. Now Playing is a Vinganza Media production, copyright 2018, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated. I think you worry too much. Be smart, boy. Walk away. I can't. Sure you can. I did. And making money stealing tech and tech and step. Say that one times fast. <laughs> Jin makes money stealing tech and test. I can't. <laughs> Jin makes money stealing tech and tech and selling <laughs> a fence on a sofa with two women. And I keep thinking it's that guy from Two Broke Girls. It isn't, but it really looks like him. It's distracting. So he beats Brian. I keep wanting to say it's Brian Ferry, but it's Brian Fury. <laughs> <laughs> Roxy Music's going down. <laughs> Two totally different guys.